All right, welcome to the Ball and Breakfast podcast. I'm Patrick Miller, along with Wayne Poix. Uh, we're here for our third and a half rendition of the Ball and Breakfast podcast. We had an emergency pod on our NFL episode, which kicked off, you know, everything we do here on the pod. We followed it up with a NBA podcast that just covered the gamut as far as the game of basketball today, uh, the 1990s Bulls. Uh, you can find all of the episodes we've created so far, even some snippets on um, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Spotify, Apple, and uh, even Anchor for those that are big Anchor uh, fans out there. So we're, uh, we're pretty well connected and uh, definitely want to tip my cap to, uh, to Wayne today uh, for all of his work on the back end of things. We've had uh, basically a crash course in, in how to put together a podcast. And I feel like within, you know, two weeks time, he's done a great job and, uh, you know, just want to tip my cap to start it up, you know, start it all off. Thank you, man. That's it's, it's a great learning experience of mine. I've never done anything like this, so I appreciate it. And man, yes, it's been a lot of fun for sure. Just getting to know, understand things, you know, understanding Canva too. We're trying to utilize Canva to help design some of the social outreach that we're, that we're doing. And then also some of the video editing as well. So uh, great learning experience. And then, yeah, hope, hopefully y'all are uh, enjoying the, whatever we're putting up out there. So <laughs> yeah, I really hope so too. I mean, I hope we don't have to lean on our, uh, you know, our parents or our siblings to really, <laughs> you know, prop us up as, uh, you know, podcast characters and things like that. I mean, hopefully, you know, reaching people, you know, everywhere in the world, shout out to the United Kingdom for giving us a lot of hits in our first couple of weeks. Um, but I guess with that, you know, we've covered basketball, we've covered, uh, you know, football as well. Today's going to be all about Major League Baseball, which, for me, that's that's my favorite sport of the big three. I'm a I'm a fan of all three leagues, but baseball especially. Um, definitely, it's close to home. It's the really the first sport that I ever dove into and and loved, and I still love to you know to this day. I, I still play in men's leagues uh, with fast pitch. So uh, we had a game uh, today. It was freezing, but uh, our team won, and uh, it's just the camaraderie of the game. Um, you know the intricacies of how the game is actually played. You know, managers are you know. Pretty still pretty important. The game's evolved over time, but uh, you know we've had a lot of uh, you know weirdness come out of baseball uh, this past winter with you know labor negotiations, uh, putting together a new collective bargaining agreement. Um, we were all kind of sitting at the uh, edges of our seats, hoping that you know there wouldn't be a strike. Um, you know, in 1994, we had a, a 253 day strike with. You know, our Chicago White Sox at the time being a, a pretty darn good team, one that was probably going to you know make a huge playoff push. And uh, I think I was seven years old then, but I kind of still remember asking my dad, you know, why, why is baseball not on TV? You know, and he, he told me about a strike and I really didn't get it. But um, we're not going to go fully into, you know, the negotiations of it. But I thought a lot of new changes coming out of this, um, you know, new negotiation, this new deal that they put together for the CBA has brought some interesting changes. Uh, the first being the universal DH in the national league. Um, beforehand it was only pitchers uh, would bat in the nine slot. Usually uh, the occasional guy would bat in the eighth slot or, or what have you, but every team in the league will now the DH um, will go to a 12 team playoff format. We'll talk about that a little bit more um, in extra innings. There'll be a runner starting on second base um, like they did in the protracted year. Uh, double headers uh, will be extended from, you know, the seven innings that they were doing the past couple of years to now uh, two nine inning games like we were all used to growing up. 
Um, there will be a draft lottery uh, that, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that, but brand new to baseball. We have one football and basketball. Um, there will also be draft pick inducements for teams that are trying to manipulate a player's service time. Um, I think we all remember when Chris Bryant in Chicago was, you know, red hot in the minor leagues and pretty much every Cubs fan, every Chicago fan was like, this is clearly a case where the team is just trying to, you know, hold Brian's contract for an extra year and, you know, not have to pay him too much. And it might be the reason why, you know, he left in part. Um, and finally, um, that, that all covers 2022 for 2023. Um, two other proposals that are kind of still in the works that I think are really interesting are um, the band shift. So essentially, you know, players are stacking up, uh, at least fielder wise stacking up on one side of the diamond, you know, take away hits from guys that just pull the ball. Um, so they'll talk about how that could possibly change. And then finally um, they're talk- talking about a pitch clock. Uh, so in basketball, we all know the shot clock, you get 24 seconds for an offense to shoot the ball, you know, with baseball being the game it is, it's, it's a longer game, but this will just help to, you know, cut things down. So, I know I've thrown out a absolute menu of options uh, to talk about, but I want to turn it over to Wayne. Wayne, is there, you know, anywhere from one or two or three that really stand out to you? And, and uh, you know, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, at least, as a fan of baseball, who's watched it all his life, uh, you know, when I was in Seattle and I, I missed watching the Chicago White Sox, uh, play I, I would subscribe actually I would pay the money to actually watch on MLB TV just to watch the White Sox and you know a couple other teams and all that there um, so I love baseball uh, but you know Universal DH I think ha- is a big change I think the idea is you know, there's so many players out there like that were you know maybe in their late 30s that were kind of going down the hill that you know they just could not feel like that was not they just did not have that but they can still hit you know so I think that's great for them. It, it, it will elongate their careers. Um, and in the end of the day, you know, I think it's great for the fans too. If, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., if all he did was, you know, uh, just wanted it to hit uh, and be a DH, he can do that both for the NL. You know, he could, he could have gone back to the Reds, you know, his hometown team, do it there. Um, you know, I certainly think it gives a lot more player players options with regards to that. So, you know, I think it's good for fans and then also good for players, uh, which I think in the end of the day, uh, I, I it seems like, you know, overwhelmingly, like a lot of the changes that were made uh, from the, from the you know, this new CBA deal uh, kind of w- was in favor for better fan experience and then better things for the players. Um, you talked about the whole Chris Bryant situation. I think I like the first time I heard about like a situation like that, I thought it was comical. I'm like, how, what, what time, like, you know, if I am paying money to watch the best players in the world play a game, I want, and when they're ready, I want them to play, like, period, like, no questions asked. So, you know, if they're ready, put them out on there. Like, why are we, what are we waiting for? You know, so I'm thankful for all that. Um, uh, The 12 team playoff format i think is is will be pretty cool overall uh part of me is you know kind of miss or kind of kind of liked the one game like you know winner take all type of thing to advance uh but at the same time you know i definitely felt like baseball like how how is it that there was like only what four or five teams 
uh, being selected when rest, the rest of the other leagues, like they had like, you know, uh, half the league essentially being in the playoffs. So um, kind of things like those just didn't make sense to me. Uh, you know, so I appreciate that there is like, like this is probably the most change that baseball has ever done in like a, in an off season with regards to all the rules. So I, I actually appreciate it. I think it's good for the game as it grows, you know, generally, your average baseball player, I think, is like mid forties or something like that. So, you know, if the game's gonna grow and continue, uh, bringing more of that revenue, I think it's great for baseball. So, um, yeah, but those are the major ones. A ban on shift, I think, was another one I was looking at. Uh, I, I think, you know, people like like Kyle Schwarber, I think, will benefit immensely from this because you know they're like left-handed power hitters i think will uh their averages are going to go i would love to see uh if joey gallows uh batting average will go up but you know <laughs> i think that'll be part of the fun um you know so left-handed pull hitters i think they'll there's definitely going to be more um excitement coming from that nobody wants to see a kyle schwarber bunt to to the third baseline so uh i again i think it's good for baseball good for the fans good for the players overall i think it's going to be a better product um and the old school people they're going to die. So we got to move on on all of that. <laughs> yeah. With all that. Yeah. What are your thoughts, uh, Mr. Baseball lover and all that? So. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think you hit it on that, you know, the nail on the head with the uh, banning of the shift. I think it's so tough because I think there's two different sides to it. Um, you know, like you're saying with lefties and a guy like Schwarber, or even, you know, Joey Gallo. Um, what's funny is actually Joey Gallo last year led the American league in bunt hits which I just thought was like so because he still batted like 200, you know, but I think there's a, you know, a saying that, you know, like a, a just a thought process, like, Hey, if they're going to give you the entire left field side, you know, just drop a grounder over there, just lay one down, you know, obviously you're a home run hitter, but in the same sense, you know, it's, it's your fault if you bat 200 and you're just trying to pull the ball the entire time. Um, now, that being said, that's that's the way that I would play in my men's league. But in order to sell tickets and to put fans in the stands, you know, uh, Glavin and Maddox used to always say, you know, chicks dig the long ball, you know. <laughs> and, and I hate to say it, but when we go to baseball games, we want to see fireworks. We want to see somebody put one, you know, out of the park. We want to see somebody put one in the upper deck, hit, hit you know, parts of the stadium nobody's ever hit before, like a Giancarlo Sin. So, in the same sense, I think that with how the game, you know, needs to kind of build a fan base and and grow um, just as a sport and as, you know, an entertainment outlet, there's just got to be a way that you can, you know, maybe not drag players that naturally wouldn't be on the right side of the field or the left side of the field to the other side. And uh, I think some of the comments I heard um, about the whole band shift is um, fielders would actually start with two toes on, you know, the dirt. So, or sorry, two feet on the dirt. But if you go around the infield, there'd be eight feet have to be on the dirt to start. So you can also bring a guy, you know, from second base to, you know, short right field to field a really hard hit ground ball. It has to be, you know, kind of played like we would in little league. Everybody has to line up at their natural position. So I think that was a great proposal that I heard. And, you know, we'll see what happens with those talks. Um, as far as some of the stuff that's actually cemented for 2022, um, I think this whole idea of a draft lottery is needed. Um, mm -hmm. Baseball, it's a hard game to tank. Um, mm. I, I say that because as hitters, 
your batting statistics are everything to you. And as a pitcher, you would never allow, you know, go for balls to go over the plate. So guys could crush home runs off you. But in the same sense, you know, we've seen teams deliberately spend $30 million. And <laughs> I hate to say it, if, if one team's spending 30 mil and another spending 200 plus mil, right. obviously the team spending the larger amounts going to, you know, be a way better team than the other one. But I think the idea and principle of the draft lottery is a little flawed still. There's only the top six picks are locked into a lottery system. And I believe in the NBA, it's every team that, you know, doesn't play, you know, play in the playoffs, they get a certain amount of lottery balls. And uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but one concept I've always thought about is, you know, for this whole lottery ball thing and how many you get, why not just give every team that doesn't make the playoffs the equal amount of balls? Mm-hmm. That way <laughs> you have teams that are clearly in the playoffs going to make that additional ad revenue and, yeah. you know, get more fans in their stands. And for every team that didn't make the playoffs, which is something they're all probably going for, yeah. You get an equal amount of balls. It just says, hey, you're either going to be really good or you're going to be bad, but we're not going to, you know, reward you for being the worst team. I think, you know, there's clearly incentives baked into these sports that yeah. I either want to be the best or if I'm not good enough, I want to be the absolute worst. But right. what, are, what are your thoughts on that? That actually makes a lot of sense, I feel like. Um I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I would try to be a devil's advocate. I honestly don't know what it would be because um, people are gaming the system, if you will. The GMs are gaming the system. Like you were saying, some teams are just not trying. They're selling their best players that they can, getting as much uh, other prospects for them. So, um, yeah, and we're seeing that actually, honestly, across across the, uh, not just baseball, but across the other leagues too, um, NBA for sure. Uh, NFL as well, you know, if it's like, oh, if we're not going to be contending uh, in the next like three years or something or two, three years, then we're just going to suck. We're going to sell all our best players. The fans are, are probably going to hate us, but, you know, and then we're going to have to try to sell them like, hey, we are uh, looking to the future. We're trying to build something out here. Um, so, so, you know, the, the product itself, if, if the idea is, you know, we always want to be bringing the best as possible team out there because, you know, we have we don't have anything to gain if we just keep on losing. Then, in a way, that might be the, that might be a good thing. Um, so then you have less GMs uh, trying to game the system, just sucking for a couple of years and telling their bosses, "Hey, we're just sucking for a while. You know, keep your patience on all, on all that. Um, you know, trust the process." Not to be all Philadelphia 76ers on it, but it's like, yeah, GMs are just are planning around that now. So you know. Uh, it could be just an adaptation, honestly, of like the ML, the, uh, the the leagues just be like, hey, you know, get your shit together and <laughs> try, uh, you know. So I would be open to that, actually. It, it, it actually adds a lot more flavor to it because I think, you know, at least when I ever watch like the, the basketball draft, right, or the NBA draft, um, you kind of know who the overall like uh, selection, selection is going to be. You know, there's always going to be like maybe one or two outliers out there, but statistically speaking, usually it's even even in the the current format. Um, I think it's pretty. Uh, it, it's usually like how it would it ought to be. You know, so yeah, maybe I would. I I, I think it it could be a good experiment. Like let's let's put a little bit of chaos and a little bit of fun into there, and then yeah, let's cut teams from tanking overall. Um, I will say though, like in baseball, baseball is the fun part, right? Like, 
the draft, who knows? Who knows what people are going to be doing, right? Like we've had so many first round draft picks just not pan out or even play in the league. So, you know, maybe it matters less there. I, I you know, now you talk about, I'm like, maybe the NBA actually ought to be doing a little bit more of that, you know, it, and, I, and I'd be curious now how that would actually impact um, some of the super teams that we're talking about in the previous episode. Uh, but yeah, like it, I feel like in baseball, you know, yeah, there's so many times that first round draft picks don't work. And then, you know, it's just a matter of how good your scouting is. So I would be open to it. I would totally be open to it though. Yeah. Put a little bit of chaos, stop sucking GMs, you know? So for sure. I think, I think the only, you know, to play devil's advocate to the idea of the equal amount of lottery balls, the only other thing I've ever heard is, you know, well, the team in the small market is the one that ultimately is going to have the most difficult time, you know, really, you know, getting on the level of a Los Angeles club or a New York club, or Chicago club, what have you. But, you know, we've seen Oklahoma City, you know, bring in the right executives and year after year, that team was stout. And even today, I mean, I feel like they're just playing with the league. They're like, oh, we got, tre- you know, 20 draft picks that, you know, we'll have in the next, you know, four or five drafts. And, right. you know, we've got a couple of players that'll be anchors for our teams and such. But um, I think the, the playing field's really evened out over time. And I don't know if that's like the onset of even social media or just the internet, but, you know, living in a New York these days or living in an LA as a player, it doesn't, it doesn't mean as much anymore. Yeah. Um, you can be Giannis Antetokounmpo and you're in <laughs> Milwaukee, you're a God out there, and but you're a God in the sport of basketball. Everybody, you know, turns on the game or watches it online, their phone, whatever. You're seeing, you know, Giannis for Giannis. It's like, I think that that whole, you know, concept, um, you know, so hopefully will just kind of slowly go away too. And, uh, you know, I'd love to see for some of these small market teams to, you know, get owners in there that want to spend cash. And, you know, I think Jock Peterson put out a really cool tweet the other day that kind of circled the top three clubs spending money and they were all north of 200 million. And he circled the bottom three. They were all, you know, south of 40 million for the payroll this year. And he's just like, you know, the, there's something's got to happen. You know, you got to get these guys out or, you know, bring in some owners that want to spend some cash. And I think, you know, team that plays in Cleveland or, you know, plays in Pittsburgh, they can be equally as competitive just with the right mix of ownership um, executives and, and analysts. And then, you know, hopefully some homegrown prospects that can, you know, carry the club over time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess we'll have to see, Um, I guess on the changes, the only other thing that I was going to bring up was this whole 12 team playoff system. So, it's pretty interesting how it's drawn up. It sounded like the owners really wanted to go to 14 teams to get that extra playoff revenue. And to be honest with you, it makes the most sense when you just think about it in structure. You'd give the three division winners a chance to get a buy in each league. And then you'd have two separate wild card playing rounds, you know, to get to get teams, you know, into the mix and, and what have you. But this year's kind of funny because they're just gonna take out of the you know, the two leagues, the National League and the American League, there's three separate divisions in each league. They're going to take the top two division winners, give them buys, and then the third best division winner will play the worst wild card. Mm-hmm. And then the middle wild cards will play each other. But it's like, it just feels kind of off. I don't know what you think of that or if you have any like great thoughts about it, but I just think it's like kind of inching their way into expanded playoffs. Yeah, no, I... It is hard. It's like baseball is like, I don't want to say the most different sport, but it, 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 it's definitely a little bit different than say like the NBA or, or NFL. I feel like, um, 
because you know yeah it's it's less about the single elimination uh you, know, you have pitchers to worry about and kind of like their, their whole function too and all that um i i i think uh the previous uh uh the previous one was the previous playoff format was not as good um so i i think it's a it's in a step in the right direction i i kind of laughed actually i was looking at last year's playoffs a little bit and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. The Dodgers and um, the Giants had like the two best uh, records in the entire league, right? But the Dodgers were playing in the the wild card, like, and it was a single elimination game type of thing. It was like, how is that possible? So you know, if I'm the Dodgers, you know, big market team and all, I'm like, no, this, this something's got to give. Something's got to change a little bit here. So I get it from that perspective. Uh, I am glad that yeah, it's going to the three, you know, three games and all um and and i i like that they're adapting kind of like what some of the other leagues are doing with regards to you know not having that one game uh uh you know win or take all type of thing as much as as, as exciting it is i just it's like there's got to be a better way to to systemize it right like you know whether you're looking at common opponents division play all that um so i i think uh i think it's better i I think there's that argument of like, or not an argument, but there's that saying of, you know, don't knock on it unless there you have a better solution. I don't know what that better solution is. Like, I really don't. Um, at least not that I've heard one that's like, okay, that totally makes sense. But for now, I think it's better than what was previously before. Um, hopefully the player, players get paid more too. Uh, and all with the new, uh, it was like 100 million or 85 million for the 12, uh, 12 team playoff format now. So um hopefully but yeah like i get like again i i i think it's better i just don't know if there's a better solution at the moment uh i do believe that that whole setup uh you know one one and two or the one goes against was it four, uh four and five like oh you know what if the four wins and then for the two two versus uh three and six right what what if the six wins like is it really fair then or like you know to play that like when the one gets the one and four and five yeah like so many things like that can occur but um, like I said, I don't know if there's a better format that is out there that's been proposed, but yeah. So what are your thoughts? I'm going to be the old man about this. And I, and I, I swear, I promise you that I won't be, you know, the old baseball guy about everything, but okay. what was wrong with the eight team system they had for so many years? Because if you actually think about it, you know, besides playoff revenue, besides, you know, getting clubs in there that, um, you know, they just want to get more, uh, you know, uh, playoff games established and get more cities involved and, you know, all that good stuff. Like I, I understand from a business perspective and I think, yes, if I'm a fan of that city, it's awesome to say like, Hey, we're the six wild, you know, we're six team in this league, but Hey, we're in it. We've got a shot. Like I love that, but baseball is funny. And, you know, I, I think NBA could trim down too, but it's like you play 162 games, mm-hmm. NBA, you play 82 games, which is a lot of basketball games, but to play 162 baseball games, you know, and you have these three divisions in each league, it just makes sense to me to say, hey, every division has a champ. I like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's one team that probably absolutely deserves a shot. And like your Dodger example, that had been the Dodgers, you know, last year. Instead of them playing that goofy one game, they just go straight into a five-game set with the best team in the league. And it's like, Hey, if I'm the Dodgers and you get the Giants in that first round, you know, maybe that's a little unfair. Like maybe they could 
you know, find a way to finagle it that, you know, there could be some exceptions there, but I guess I just see it as like, we've gone through so much already. Nobody likes to be outside in October when it's freezing out. And it's like these playoff expansions are like, where are you going to play these games? Is this going to bleed into November at some point? Like I, I don't know. Um, so that's my final say, I guess, on um, just how I see the playoff system. But I would agree. Um, I think you said this early on, but I think this negotiations um, just a great step for the MLB to make some good changes that could be lasting changes to a game that, you know, honestly, as a baseball fan and, and somewhat player, mm-hmm. I I truly think it, it it needs to go through an evolution so that it can be more marketable to a younger generation. It can be more fast paced and, you know, kind of kind of keep up with the excitement that is the NBA and perennially has been the NFL. But um, do you have any last thoughts on changes or anything like that? Well, I was going to ask you, how do you, how do you think that this impacts uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Rob Manfred's uh, being as the commissioner and all that? Cause he's gotten a lot of flack, uh, you know, in the previous years with regards to how he handles players, how he, how he's been handling, um, you know, just everything. I feel like uh, he's, I feel like, I think he's gotten like the most flack as like the worst commissioner in all organized sports or something like that. How do you think this impacts his, his legacy? Like currently, man, it's, well, Manfred, you know, to call the the championship trophy a piece of tin and then kind of everything that he did with, you know, the whole Astros scandal. I mean, we could do an episode on the Astros scandal because I watched uh, the Edge podcast, which I thought was excellent in breaking down the actual cheating going on behind it all. But to keep it brief, I'd just say that he's still got a ton of work to do. I mean, I think these changes are, are going to be monumental, you know, just in terms of uh, bringing more offense to the game and you know, having more teams involved and such like that. But, you know, just, he just kind of comes off as being, you know, pro owner and very um, about his money and very much about, you know, keeping a steady hand in the face of, you know, severe conflict. I just, I just don't see him as like really making an impact at all. I mean, the way that he goes about his own business, but um, mm-hmm. you know, in any sense, I mean, it will be a part of his legacy. So I guess we'll see how long his uh, tenure is and, and kind of come to another debate um, at another point. But uh, yeah, so far he hasn't been so hot. Yeah. He's uh he's not, he's not high on my list. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think that's where the NBA is just like Adam Silver. Like he, he will roll He like leans on the players. He's very player friendly and yeah, to his credit, like people don't watch, people don't watch the, uh, you know, this, uh, these major sports leagues, or the owners, like whatever, they don't, they don't care. <laughs> they want to see the athletes. They want to see the you know the best possible uh, players out there, and also you know putting them in into position to help market themselves. You know, there's been all been that talk with like Mike Trout. Nobody knows who he is, and he's the best player in, in, in baseball. Um, it's like, yeah, well, you know, there's so many like things like that. I feel like how uh, the MLB treats their players and how they market them and how, you know, there's a lot more restrictions I think on there, uh, with regards to that. It's like now, you know, compared to the NBA, like, like LeBron James has more, uh, Instagram followers than the NBA, like by double, like, Jeez. you know, put, put them out there, let them amplify, let them do the, let, let them be their own business. Right. So yeah, I think that's how I feel about that, but yeah. Uh, he's got, he's got a long way to go. So <laughs> So we'll see, but um, I guess when we you know now get into the the actual season and and what's coming up, I want to you know obviously 
there's no secret of, of where our fandom lies. I mean, it's on your head and it's, you know, in the back here, but <laughs> I wanted to ask you as we go into the 2022 season, before we start all the, you know, speculation predictions, et cetera. Um, tell me about your White Sox fandom and tell me about what you think about the other team in town in Chicago. Oh, the other team. I like how you phrased that. No. Um, yeah. I've always, I mean, I grew up in the Darien, so Southwest side. So I didn't really, I mean, everybody usually, even in the suburbs, like, oh yeah, the White Sox, because it was just kind of convenient, you know, take 55 up there. So, and so, yeah, like I, I've always loved the White Sox. Uh, Frank Thomas, uh, you know, was my favorite player growing up. You know, I, I kind of liked Robin Ventura. And then I was like, I don't know about the whole manager thing, but, you know, uh, like, you know, gold glove, uh, uh, left-handed hitting third baseman. I thought it was really cool. So um, I've always loved the White Sox uh, just growing up. I, I think I, I, I might have mentioned the previous episode. I was like, I always have a thing for the other guy, right? So it's like, yeah, I like this guy. I like Scottie Pippen more than maybe Michael Jordan some. Um, actually, I, I think as I've grow, grown older and as Scottie Pippen has talked a little bit crazy, you know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe not anymore. But yeah, I, I always like, you know, the other guy, basically uh so uh i i've you know mark mark burley is my favorite player uh, like in, in all of baseball um and i i don't know there's so much to love i've, I've always watched the games like i said before uh, i i even subscribed to mlb tv just to watch them when i was in seattle um there's always that just connection you know to the south side um and it's just even it's awesome more now that they're actually winning and, and you know have a great team and, and lineup and all uh, you know uh yeah i know we've we've actually uh both you and i have actually seen jerry reinsdorf in person and uh rick Hahn too uh, so you know we we have you know that deep connection there but obviously it goes deeper than all that just growing up like i'll listen to like uh you know ken the hawk um you remember ed farmer too like, so, you know, I, it, there's something just spiritual about baseball and, you know, the White Sox going, going towards, uh, what do they even call it now? Uh, you know, Comiskey, we'll just go there, going to Comiskey, going on the red line, um, was always just a great time for me and, and my friends there too. Um, I had a friend actually that, uh, she used to live in, uh, in Chinatown and then I would actually go drive over there when I was living in Darien and then just, um, uh, park user parking and all that so I can walk to the stadium so you know all that I I, I just love uh, the community aspect of you know the White Sox too um, and I don't know what yeah it's hard to describe but there's just so much you know something I've grown up with and I just have this deep connection towards the south side the best side so yeah, well, yeah what's your story Wait, but you didn't tell us about your uh, thoughts about the other team in town oh I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I I I, don't, I like living on the north side some, you know, got some nice restaurants and all that fun stuff there. Got maybe more Trader Joe's in the south side. So, uh, but I think I, I try to avoid Wrigley Field um, during game days. But I same this past St. Patrick's Day, one of my friends said, hey, it's good at Wrigley. I was like, yeah, this is appropriate. I can do, I can do this. <laughs> it makes sense. They got Do-Right, too, right across from Wrigley, which is my favorite donut shop. Um so, yeah, like, you know, I, I'm not going to knock on uh, Wrigley Field or Cubs fans in general. Um, you know, they're people, too. <laughs> 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 but, like I said, 
I'm always for the other guy. So, yeah. Well, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think like you're saying, I mean, what's funny for my story with baseball and kind of my fandom, um, I was actually a split fan, uh, Cubs and Sox growing up. Um, I'm from Skokie, uh, right next door to Evanston, where I was born. And uh, my entire family of aunts, uncles, cousins, we all grew up in those two cities. So we were right next door to each other, always saw each other. And from every day that I grew up, uh, you know, going to other places, there's just Cubs paraphernalia everywhere. And going to school, all pretty much all Cubs fans. Um, I think when my dad and my brother and I were growing up, um, we, we kind of like veered off a little bit. We'd go to Wrigley Field, do the Wrigley Field thing. But then my dad would also take us down to Comiskey Park. And there's just an electricity to Comiskey Park that I think you just have to go there and be there and, you know, really get into it to kind of understand. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, if we look at just socioeconomic, you know, status and, you know, where's the hot area in town, it's going to be Wrigley, you know, Wrigleyville and, Mm-hmm. all the surrounding neighborhoods in that part of Chicago. And uh, for good reason, it's, they're, you know, great parts of Chicago. We went to DePaul and we were right there. And, you know, I love Lincoln Park and, you know, Lakeview and, you know, Wrigleyville has really fun, you know, nightlife and everything like that. Um, but, you know, getting to that game and, you know, seeing the big hurt and the pinwheels on the scoreboard and anytime somebody put one out for the White Sox, there'd just be tons of fireworks and, you had an electronic scoreboard back in the day, which, you know, I hate to say it, kids, but back in the day, Wrigley Field didn't have really anything besides <laughs> the green board and, you know, hot dogs and Cracker Jacks. But you got down to Comiskey, you could also get a Polish, you could get Euro strip steak, you could get funnel cake, you could get, you know, just just things that opened your mind. You were like, wow, like, <laughs> you know, baseball doesn't have to be so black and white. Um, and I think once you get to middle school as a kid from around Chicago, you kind of have to put your flag in the ground. And I just realized I could never not put a flag down on the South side. I, I, I could start to feel myself pulling that flag out of the, <laughs> out of Wrigley field and that whole experience. And I'm not here to bash on Cubs fans or anything like that, but, you know, singing and dancing all game and, you know, kind of the Billy goat talk back in those days and, you know, blaming things on a fan for interrupting, you know, an out and then the whole inning implodes. There was so many, uh, you know, lovable loser qualities that came out with that club. And it just kind of, um, it started to rub me the wrong way in a way that I was like, when I went to Comiskey, and I still think today, you can go sit out in the outfield and just talk to the person next to you about baseball. And that person's going to talk to you about the White Sox. They're going to know everything about the club but you can just go down the line, the AL central, you can go to the NL East and have a good conversation. And I hate to say it sometimes when I've been at Wrigley field, it's like, Hey, well, I'm a freshman at DePaul and I'm from Iowa or I'm from, you know, Nebraska or I'm from Minnesota. And again, no disrespect to any of our Midwestern state neighbors, but it's like, Hey, I'm new to the city. I'm going to be a Cubs fan. And there's that feeling to it. Like probably in New York with the, Yankees and probably in LA with the Lakers where, you know, I like to root for the underdog and I just like, you know, that kind of that blue collar vibe you get when you go into the park. So right. um, I think I'll end it there in terms of my white Sox, uh, you know, story or, or what have you, but um, you know, kind of looking at this year's team and kind of where we've come, even, you know, 
starting in the mid you know 2010s i think that's when we really started doing our reboot and you know trying to build a team from the ground up and you know these last two seasons have really paid dividends for us to see our young guys come together as a core but you know going into this season um wayne what are what are some of your expectations or just overall thoughts about this roster, its construction, and, you know, what it can do in 162 games? I mean, I'm very bullish on it. Like, I don't – like, we're, we're healthy. You know, again, knock on wood uh, right now, at least in, with everything. Um, we have the best lineup. I, like, inarguably, like, I, I think I've – anytime I hear, at least online, of, like, anybody – that is excited about you know the tigers or the twins or whatever they're like yeah you know well you know if 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 you guys get hurt or something like that like like total like like you know and we even saw this pat this previous season the white Sox, they a lot of you know they hit they had the injury bug um this, this previous season but they were still able to pull off 93 wins right so uh, you know, they had a pretty hot start and then kind of just fizzled a, l- a little bit there. Um, you know, the whole Yerman, <laughs> Yermanator thing, uh, you know, <laughs> Tony and all that. It's like, no, don't do bad flips. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm very bullish. Most talented roster. Uh, you know, we got three good starters. Uh, we'll see what happens with Kopech. I'm very excited to see Kopech uh, healthy and then going to be in the starting rotation. Um like that kid, man, he can throw. So uh, I'm very excited about that. Uh, you know, we'll see about Dallas Keuchel. I, I hope that you know the aging lefty, right? Like, hopefully they can he can shift out a couple wins, you know, there and all, and also uh, didn't have the best uh, season this previous year, but yeah, he's a finesse uh, left-handed uh, pitcher. So hopefully, you know, um, that usually ages fairly well. Uh, so, but you know, we'll see about that. Um, Top down that roster though, like I'm so excited. Uh, gonna get uh, Luis Robert. Robert uh, just you know he he had he was killing it last season. So I'm hoping that you know a, a full season of him healthy. Like who knows what he can do. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Um, Tim Anderson, love the guy. Uh, um, Jose Breu, he'll be back. Uh, I mean, list goes on. Eloy, like holy cow. Uh, I know there's that question of right field, uh, second base, some, uh, but I really like G- Gavin Sheets, at least his bat. You know, we'll see about <laughs> his fielding and all. But you know, hey, that's that's when Adam Angle's there. You know, put him in the late in- inning if that happens. But it's hard to go against Gavin Sheets' bat. Um, he had a what 800 OPS uh, this previous season. Uh, like he's got he's got a nice stroke there. So um, him and Adam Vaughn, I think, can put you in at right field. Uh, from the looks of it, or, you know, Anna Vaughn, and it, it can always go to the left uh, on off days. Uh, second base, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I liked Nick uh, Madrigal at second base. You know, maybe not worth the fourth pick, but um, kind of like what he brought, at least for this team. And also, I, I, I was kind of sad to see him leave for, you know, Kimbrell and all. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think we, we got Josh Harrison, uh, who had a pretty decent year this previous year, so – and even though he's a little bit older, um, you know, if he matches what he did last year, I'll take that gladly. You know, I think he had 68, 60 RBIs and like batted two seventy nine or something like that. So I, I'll, I'll gladly take that, you know, solid defense there. So um, whether it be him or worry at second base, primarily, you know, we'll see again, but um, the rest of the roster, I mean, ah, it's hard. It's hard to beat that. You can't really, there's no, 
no team that has not spent 200 plus billion dollars that can compete with that lineup. So very bullish on there. Um, sure. The rest of the AL central, I think got a little bit better with some free agent signings here and there, you know, uh, twins getting Correa uh, and Javi Baez going to uh, Detroit. So, you know, uh, and then, but then, you know, Indians, yeah, they're probably going to have a down year this year. Um, but, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Again, baseball is a crazy sport. Uh, you know, if, 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 or sorry, the Guardians, sorry, the Guardians, if, if they do stay healthy, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. But again, baseball has to be a crazy sport. And it always seems that the Guardians, like they have like this makeshift type of roster and they somehow pull things off. So, you know, if I'm a Guardians fan, sure, hope, hoping that happens. But I don't know how you can compete against the White Sox with the lineup, pitching staff, bullpen probably have the, one of the best bullpens entire baseball. So, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you got flamethrower, like uh, the croquette out there. Oh man. And then uh, who did they, they had Joe Kelly and yeah, Hendricks there. So it's like, I don't know. Again, you just got to stay healthy and, and, and kind of pull through there. And maybe we do make some acquisitions uh, here and there, but like, I don't know how you can't be happy with the, what we have right now. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying about the AL Central makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I think there were improvements across the rosters within the division, mm-hmm. but from where they were starting, I'm also pretty bearish on all four teams. And, you know, there is that thing about baseball where, you know, the dark horse team could just ride a really hot April and May and kind of carry their way on throughout the season. But, it kind of feels like everything has to kind of break right for all of our competitors. Mm. And we just have to come and play, just come and play baseball. We're deep. We have guys, you know, throughout the roster, one through nine that can just put the bat on the ball. I mean, you went through the whole (laughs) roster for the most part, which is a good thing, which is totally fine. But it's like you named a bunch of guys who are all-star caliber players. And Andrew Vaughn is still another guy that I'm just like gushing about going into this year because he had to make a positional change in the outfield from, you know, first base. He had to learn all that on a, you know, a, uh, like a division winning club. So there's a lot of pressure there. You have Tony LaRusa in his ear, which has to add additional pressure. And, you know, he still found a way to put up, you know, 15 bombs or so and, you know, 60, 70 RBIs. I mean, his batting average could probably, you know, use some points, but in your freshman year of baseball, when you haven't played any minor league ball for the most part, it's like to come in and just kind of put up numbers like that. It's, it says a lot about who he is as a hitter and he's still young. <laughs> he's controllable. It's like, go down that roster. And it's like, you got nu- a nucleus that will stay together for you know a pretty long period of time. If it all you know continues to go well, um, I'm equally as bullish. I think that, you know, the rotation has, you know, its strengths and, maybe a little bit of shortcomings toward the tail end of the rotation. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, with a guy like Kopech going into his first year starting, you know, to have Ronaldo Lopez mm-hmm. out of the, you know, swingman role who could throw, you know, anywhere from one to five innings to spot him, or, you know, maybe you bring up uh, Vince Velasquez who, you know, we signed on a minors deal and he's a flamethrower and he's had tons of issues over time. And he's got, I think a career five ERA, but, you know, could we bring him in for two or three innings and just say, throw that cheese and just let it ride and him having like an okay season? Sure. Um, the bullpen, incredibly deep with right-hand flamethrowers, uh, some great lefties, like you said, Crochet and even um, 
you know, Aaron Bummer is still a guy who's been there and done it. And it's like, I think the one thing when I look at the White Sox, as far as a you know roster right now, um, with right field and even second base, I'm technically okay with second. And I love Nick Madrigal. <laughs> I could uh, <laughs> I, I could talk about Nick Madrigal all day because I watched him play at Oregon State, and he just was he, he was like Tony Gwynn reincarnated from the right hand side. And I I, it, it just I love how he plays baseball. Kind of reminds me of Craig Biggio, to be honest with you, yeah. to give you like the comp. But uh, the power is lacking. Who says that couldn't happen in uh, in guaranteed rate field? But. Uh, you know, that, that was a hard one to swallow, but I, I think the one thing that I see that'll probably change sometime between um, now and the uh, trade deadline is we're probably going to have to look at some of these guys that are corner outfield, first base, third base, um, you know, young, either minor leaguers or even, you know, guys that played with our club for one or two years. But I, I really do think we'll probably have to package up some of those guys, you know, whether it be a Sheets with a burger or maybe it's, a, you know, Cespedes with, you know, I, I wouldn't want to say Colas off the bat, but it's like we're going to have too many guys playing the same positions and doing too many of the same things where just from a roster construction standpoint, it'd be nice to like go out to Oakland and say, hey, you're trying to get rid of Manaya or Montas, like, we've got your first baseman and your, you know, right fielder of the future in this deal. What do you say? Um, but the only other two things I was going to say is about our chances and everything that I'm seeing is I didn't like from last year's playoffs, kind of the, I wouldn't even call it swagger. It was more cockiness from our young guys. Um, it was like, they wanted to show you that they were big league players, like, I'm being a little picky, but Eloy, you know, not really wearing his cap. It was kind of just hanging off his head. And then he had like four or five chains on and his shirt was, you know, down to his lower chest. It's like, mm-hmm. you got to know that you're 22, 23 and you still haven't done anything yet. Like you're, you're a star on paper, but we need to see you put up 40 bombs with a hundred RBIs two or three years in a row. And then we'll take you seriously. And I, I think the game of baseball really humbles guys like that. Um, that just think they're ahead of where they truly are. And I think with our roster, we have an amazing amount of talent, but I, I kind of get concerned about our, you know, veteran leadership, our composure in tough pressure situations where maybe other clubs have that depth ready to go with guys that have, you know, been to the playoffs four or five times or, you know, every year for that matter. Um, so that's one concern I have. And then the other concern I have, which kind of opens up, you know, the rest of our conversation about baseball, but it's really about the other top teams in the league. Um, you know, I think the White Sox stack up with just about all of them, but there are a few that, you know, we can talk about whenever you're ready, but just a couple of clubs that I think are, you know, loaded with talent and experience and, you know, could really give us a tough time, you know, come, come October. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I, I'm very bullish. Yeah. But there's definitely like, you know, we, 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 it's not like we went deep in the playoffs. Like, you know, I was pretty, I was like, yeah, is that the best we can do? I mean, it was like our first time in a while type of thing, but at the same time, like, uh, is that, is that really the best we could put forth, put forth, uh, put forth? I, uh, I, I, I mean, there's definitely holes uh, or may not holes, but 
there's, there are some concerns with their attitude. You know, I honestly was not the biggest fan of Tony Larusa. Uh, I, I think he, he kind of like grew on me a little bit uh, as the season was going on. Like, you know, there's the whole Yerminator thing. I was like, you know, you, you got this guy. He's like, you know, he's he's he was like the talk of the town and just killing it. <laughs> and, you know, when he was like saying, yeah, you can't do that at all. Um, I don't know. It just seemed like he lost joy or whatever. Uh, whether I don't know if that was it or if you know people just figured out, oh, you know, maybe we shouldn't toss as many uh, you know fastballs at him or something like that. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it was just yes, you know, things like that. I, I think kind of like uh, 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 make me question, I guess, the potential of the team because uh, they have all the talent. They honestly do. Um, and this previous season was the best or the first time that they kind of put it all together. So, I mean, yeah, hopefully we, we see better things this season. Um, but yeah, all the talent in the world, but I, I, I can see that with regards to, you know, maybe the attitude, maybe the focus isn't there um, to just like, Hey, we're, we're here to win it. Like this is business for us. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess with that, I mean, it sounds like to both of us, there's still, you know, team to, 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 you know, really not mess with and one that could absolutely make a push all the way. Um, when you scan around the league, uh, maybe we'll start in the AL. Um, are there any clubs that kind of give you, you know, jitters or, or just ones that are stout enough to, you know, really make us push to, you know, get to the world series? Yeah. In terms of like getting to the world series, I mean, the AL East, obviously like, you know, it's, it always seems like, you know, this previous year, there were, what, four teams with 90 wins and all. And, like, I don't know, did any of them get necessarily any worse? I know the Rays, I think they got rid of, like, Drew, or was it Drew Smiley? Uh, you know, like, did they really even get worse that, by that much? I don't think so. So, you know, uh, Blue Jays, they might be able to take the next step. I know they're, they're pretty young and all. So, you know, maybe their progression is going to take them a little bit higher, uh, you know, especially as the Yankees and Red Sox, uh, you know, uh, there's been some additions and some subtractions there, but uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely some question marks, I think for, you know, maybe both those teams granted they're bad, but they had the payrolls. So, um, so, you know, I I could potentially see the the Blue Jays maybe taking a step forward, you know, we'll see what happens uh, there. uh, I see the Mariners, like, where did they come from? <laughs> yeah. That was pretty amazing. I think they made some, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think they made some off-season uh, uh, additions as well to help them out. So I like what they're doing over there. So I think that they, they can honestly, they might be able to take the division away from the Astros. Uh, I know they got rid of uh, Correa, you know, which I, I know he's kind of been up and down. He, I was actually kind of astonished to see that Correa never hit 30 homers um or got uh 100 rbis actually you know he's got a talented uh uh roster and lineup with him it's like how, how did that not not happen before so you know i i think i heard somebody saying this like on, a, on another podcast actually was like yeah if there's one team that can get rid of a player like with the talent level of korea it's the astros they got plenty of it right so they can use utilize those resources for other things you know you know maybe get another starting pitcher you know fine-tune the bullpen uh, they are getting Verlander back. Uh, I know he's like what, 39 or something like that now. So we'll see what he's got. Uh, you know, he came back from Tommy John. Uh, but you know, if, if there's, if I weren't anything from Verlander, the guy is a competitor. So, you know, um, even at 39, I, I think we'll at least get something out of him. Um, you know, we'll see. I don't know if this, I, I don't want to say if this is the end or not, because 
time and time he's proven like you and when he was like a 35 36 year old pitcher like I mean, we thought he was gonna be going going away like on the wayside not nah, he stepped up his game and you know uh won a world series and everything there so um we'll see if he's got anything left in the tank uh but you know with that being said that is, it definitely seems like the astros could be back but i i think the mariners might uh take the al west actually going forth there especially with also the athletics being a basically a triple a team now and the angels just it, they've only just had those two stars basically and you know not, not too much around them so um yeah and if there is a team in the al central that i think will compete against the white Sox, i'm thinking it it might be the twins i think it might be the twins i i think that's i think that's where i'm i'm gunning for i'm not gunning for but i think that's if i were to make a bet on who would be you know finish second it'll be them so uh but we'll see the tigers definitely have some uh you know they're young they have a young pitching so maybe they do take a step we'll see but i think the twins could probably uh compete uh in this in this coming uh season so um those are my thoughts would love to hear who do you think uh could be uh, kind of that dark horse or take that next step yeah um I, i think with how you kind of frame the al east um I think taking another step would probably be with the Blue Jays um, just in terms of just the sheer amount of talent they've got on that roster too. It reminds me of a club that's pretty similar to ours, you know. Uh, Now they have Vlad Guerrero. They've got Bo Bichette. Um, They just made a trade last week. Um, They got rid of Randall Grichik and brought in Rymel Tapia from the Colorado Rockies. Um, They're a very right-hand heavy lineup. Um, But in general, (laughs) when you go across, you know, the entire diamond it's it's like man this is pretty scary like they traded for matt chapman who's one of the best defenders at third base uh had an off season last year and typically strikes out a lot and will bring a low batting average but mm-hmm. you know and generally can put the ball out at a pretty decent rate and i think you know maybe last year aside he's still young he's controllable uh, they signed him to you know a shorter deal um but in general um just a guy who can really play the game of baseball, you know, the right way and bring, you know, some veteran leadership to the clubhouse too. Um, the rotation, they got Berrios. Um, they've got Hunjin Ryu, who again, had an off year last year, but I think he's pretty consistent at the end of the day. Um, they signed Kevin Gossman, who was pretty awesome for the giants last year. Um, he'll come back to the AL East and he didn't have a great time with the Orioles, but I think he's a little bit more seasoned now. So he probably, you know, will bring an extra, um, you know, uh, just amount of confidence with him to Toronto. Um, they also had Alec Manoa who broke out last year as a pitcher. And I, you know, I just think, you know, he's a flamethrower and he's a guy who can, you know, definitely take a step with that club, but yeah, all in all, I think, you know, they were right on that brink. They were kind of even with us last year in terms of like how much they actually did in October. And, uh, you know, I, I just kind of see us and them being, you know, the two teams in the AL that kind of, you know, take that extra step. And really, I would probably put them in my ALCS. I mean, those two teams against each other, if I had to guess today, um, other teams in the AL and, and I guess going to your point about a breakout. Um, I've been thinking about this one. I do think the angels, um, have improved their roster, um, just in the form of Rendon and Trout being back in the daily lineup with everybody they already have there. Um, Joe Adele, and Brandon Marsh are two young outfielders that they put a lot of stock in to just kind of mm-hmm. obviously be, you know, superstar caliber players. And I think last year at the end of the year, second half, they showed that they can, 
you know, take an extra step and really, you know, start to be everyday contributors, which will be huge in that lineup. Outside of that, you know, just kind of going through the rotation. Um, Patrick Sandoval is a guy who really pitched well in the second half. Um, they brought in Thor from New York, which, you know, I'm kind of in question about. Um, and in general, uh, yeah, they got Rysel and Glacius that they signed to a new deal too. But I, I know there's an extra couple of pitchers that I'm, you know, leaving out at this moment. But I do think they're kind of my dark horse to just, you know, use the offense and, you know, the experience that they have there. Shohei Itani is obviously the guy that I'm missing both uh, with the bat and on the mound. But, um, you know, if he can be a guy who's a, you know, rotation anchor mm-hmm. for a club that's going to hit a lot, um, you know, with the loss of Correa with the Astros and kind of the loss of momentum for that club, I know they still have a lot of young talent, but part of me thinks they – don't go into the season with that jolt of excitement, that jolt of energy that a club really needs um, to, you know, get them over the hump. But um, I agree with your Mariners choice. I think the trade with Jesse Winker is solid. So I think in the West, you're going to have, you know, a decent battle out there all year. And, you know, whether the Mariners or the Angels take the division or, you know, the Astros are in the mix, I, I do see at least now both of those clubs making it, via division or wild card. Um, mm-hmm. But if I was to kind of touch on the Yale Central too, just the, you know, I guess the the second best club or the team that are probably going to give us the most fits and headaches. I like your twins pick. Um, I do think the Tigers are a team to watch out for, um, you know, just with Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal kind of really putting together great, you know, campaigns last year. They're young and they've got all the, you know, uh, evaluators touting him as two of the best young starters in the game. They brought in Eduardo Rodriguez from the you know Red Sox. So, you know, their rotation is starting to shore up a little bit. I know they got Michael Pineda, um, who's kind of a journeyman, but he might fit in well to just give them a little bit of depth. Um, I'm not a big Javi Baez guy, but I got to respect his defense and his ability to yeah. somehow get a you know pretty high war, you know war score every single year. Um, but I do think the you know Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, two guys that haven't played yet, kind of joining that roster. Um, you know, I, I think they're a team to just kind of keep an eye on and hope that they don't get hot, you know, to start off the year and kind of, you know, scratch and claw their way through the division. But, you know, overall, I feel pretty, you know, sound about the White Sox. And, uh, you know, as far as breakouts go, I think that's kind of where I'm at in the American League, at least. Got it. Yeah, no, I think that's cool. Um yeah, and yeah, I, I I do like the Mariners. I know they got uh, I think Kyle Seager retired, uh, so I mean there is definitely that. But I I think it was I was just really impressed to see them. Uh, you know, like I said, I have some connections in Seattle, and there there was definitely a lot of, ex- of excitement there. Um, but yeah, I, I could definitely see you know the uh, the Angels. Uh, they just yeah they have a lot of pop there uh, for sure with the the two mega stars and. Uh, yeah, it, I'm hoping for their sake that they can make a run in the playoffs. Though I think I think it would just be great for baseball to have Mike Trout and Shohei. Like, hey, these are our two biggest stars. Let's promote them a little bit more, right? I just think it's good for the game overall. So yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah, I'd hope to see them in the playoffs. But yeah, we'll see. Baseball is a fun game. Yeah. So. 
It's fair to have pessimism about him, though, you know, because oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> they've they completely disappointed, you know, big signing after big signing. I guess I kind of, uh, yeah. you know, go into that prediction a little hesitant, but in the same sense, I look at them on paper and I'm just like, if you don't at least get a wild card slot this year, like you've really, you know, dropped yeah. the ball. Then, and uh, then you, you got it. Then, yeah, maybe you do got a tank and all that or whatever and trade uh, your two best players. Yeah, yeah. we'd love to see it, but. Yeah, until until something actually happens, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's definitely a wait and see. So, yeah. yeah, and I won't ignore the other teams in the East. I felt like you covered them pretty well, so I'll leave it at that. But um, looking at the National League side of things, um, I guess what are what are your thoughts as far as you know who are the you know teams to teams to beat, and then do you have a breakout on on that side? Yeah, I don't necessarily a breakout, but I mean. I could potentially see the Phillies. Uh, I it's one of those teams that I want to hate because <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's like they got uh, Harper and all that, but then Schwarber, this Schwarber signing, I think was pretty interesting. Uh, and like I mentioned, you know, uh, is it 2022? I think the uh, the shift is on. Um, so you know, if, if that were to happen, then uh, then I think that's a great thing for them getting Schwarber there uh, since he's a pretty much a pole hitter with regards to, to the right side of the field. So, um, sure. yeah, so I, I think that their lineup's a lot stronger there. You know, they, they won 82 games this previous season. Uh, but like I said, you know, it's hard for me to cheer for them. But at the same time, uh, you know, they're you know, that making some moves, I think, to help uh, advance them overall. Uh, if you put the, you know, the OPSs of potentially Schwarber, and Harper, you know, kind of in the, the same, like, uh, uh, in that same lineup, you know, one, two or whatever, it's hard to be like, yeah, they're not going to get that many runs there. So, uh, you know, pitching is always the fun part. Uh, but, you know, uh, in the AL East, uh, I think, you know, with the, the Braves and their roster, I, 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 I can see them competing with that, um, with that firepower. So um, I... I, I want to see the Brewers take the next step. Uh, it'll be interesting if that happens. I know they won 95 wins. So it's like, how much can they, you know, get better? But um, I think they're great for baseball as a, you know, baseball lover. I love watching them play. Uh, I love their pitching. You know, their pitching, I think, is one of the best out there. So, um, you know, I, I love a good pitching squad. So I think I'm hoping that they would uh, uh, take the NL Central away from that other team i guess Cardinals, <laughs> <laughs> obviously too um so uh with the nl west uh i mean i know i i actually love uh or loved like he's not dead buster posey like retiring and everything you know he was like my favorite i guess nl player if you will um just ultra competitors so we'll see if they take a step back um you know if, if that is something that happens there the Dodgers just have, uh, again, they spent a lot of money there. Ridiculous lineup at all. Like adding Eddie, Freddie Freeman to, uh, and then, you know, if, if their pitching can be, you know, they, they definitely have some great pitching over there. So if they can kind of match what they did, you know, when they won the World Series a little bit there, just kind of, kind of continuing on. Um, I mean, how, how could you not go against them? I know they lost uh, Ken, uh, Kenley Jensen in this offseason. So, you know, that being said, they have a really good bullpen anyways, with regardless, uh, apart from that, so much so that they're like, oh, yeah, Jets, go ahead and, and, you know, join the Braves. So um, I see, you know, still potentially the Dodgers taking it. Uh, I mean, I think the Rockies 
can make a run a little bit there. Um, I know they added uh, Chris Bryant, but I'm not going to hold my breath there. Uh, I know Padres, it, it always seems like they hit, they hit, make all these signings, but, you know, they put up a, a kind of a mediocre product out there. Um, you know, I'd hate to see uh, Manny Machado. I know uh, there's definitely that whole, let's bring him to the South side a little bit. Um, uh, you know, so, but if, if they can do anything, that'd be great, I think. But yeah, it's hard to go against uh, Dodgers and it's hard to, I think, go against the Giants too in, in this case. So I think the Dodgers will probably take the division in the NL West, um, but, you know, just because they're just so talented there. Um, but then I, I do see the Braves kind of continuing on kind of off the, uh, from what they did last year with winning the World Series. Uh, it was kind of sad to see Freddie Freeman go. I know they got Olsen uh, to kind of replace him, but um, overall, I, you know, they're still a young, talented team, even though they won the World Series. They'll probably won 90 games this season, at least, I think. Uh, so, but we'll see with regards to that. Um, but yeah, I think those are my overall thoughts. Uh, yeah, want, would love to hear, uh, yeah, kind of what, what you're thinking for the NL. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, maybe a more competitive league if I had to just put it down on paper just to say I think the teams coming out of the NL will be um, a lot more stout than those in the AL. Um, you know, looking at the top, you look at the West, I think the Dodgers, cream of the crop. I mean, you add Freddie Freeman to a lineup with Mookie Betts and Trey Turner and, you know, Justin Turner, and then you have, you know, Cody Bellinger that, hey, you know, a couple of years ago he was an MVP and, you know, one of the better catchers in the game. And you just look at the rotation, it's like, you know, Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, uh, you know, you've got Clayton Kershaw still. He's, you know, he may not be, you know, a Cy Young candidate, but I, I think he'll put up decent numbers. Um, Tony Gonsolin might be, you know, in store for a breakout this year. And, um, you know, again, they've, they've lost some bullpen depth, but, you know, with a lineup that great in over 162 games, I mean, I think they'll find a way to, you know, win a hundred and then, you know, at the break, maybe add a pitcher to whether it's a reliever, extra starter, something like that. But I have no fears or qualms about them, you know, having a, you know, a hard time getting there uh, even if they lack a little bit of pitching depth at the back end. But I kind of agree with what you're saying about the giants. I think it's a team that might take a slight step back. Um, You know, they lost Gossman as well and, you know, Posey retired, but it also kind of felt like a mashup of, you know, savvy veterans and maybe they're playing a little bit over their heads last year. Um, now that might be, you know, the start of a new kind of culture there um, with, you know, the GM that they kind of poached from, from the Dodgers, uh, you know, system. And I think that was even via, you know, Tampa Bay as well. So just coming from the right spots in terms of how to construct a team. Um, I think they'll be competitive, but I, I can't say they're a, a shoe in for a playoff spot, but we'll just kind of have to wait to see. I agree with you on the Padres. I mean, Fernando Tatis was, you know, riding his motorcycle, I guess, uh, you know, outside of his contract, the guy makes, you know, 300 plus mil or whatever it is now. And it's like, you know, kind of had a lie about, you know, how he broke his wrist and stuff. So it's like, there's that thought of just like, they brought in all the star power, they're not getting it done, but it's also just about maturity. I think if you're making that much money and you're the cornerstone of a franchise, it's a really bad look and just kind of gives you a hint of like, you know, where are his priorities and what does he really care about going into this year? Um, I never like Manny Machado. I, I just kind of see it as like Machado and, you know, less so Tatis, but with Machado, it's like, you can put up all the numbers you want, but if you kind of bring a certain edge or, 
you know, negative presence attitude to a clubhouse. And maybe that was part of the Correa, you know, lack of suitors. It's like, there maybe are some guys in the game that can produce, but you just don't want them in your clubhouse. And uh, I don't know, the Padres just kind of gave me that vibe where you can stack talent upon talent, but they're just, you know, they're just not going to get there. Um, nothing else to say about the other teams in, in that division, um, at least as far as contenders go. Uh, NL Central, completely agree with your your Brewers um, kind of, uh, you know, uh, fandom or, uh, you know, just praise, uh, you know, to shower on them. I think that starting trio is scary. I mean, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff. I mean, those are three of the best starters in the game, probably, probably top 15 as a trio. And I mean, that's all on one team. Um, they've got even some younger guys, Aaron Ashby, uh, who pitched really well in the second half. They've got, uh, just a lights out, you know, end of game closer and Josh Hader. Um, Devin Williams last year was a great, you know, setup man. And he was the year before, but he actually broke his hand, I think, punching a locker <laughs> or something of the sort. So he was, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the hitting side of things, it's like, they kind of feel like a Tampa Bay Rays type of, you know, team with like a, a star or two, and then a bunch of, you know, just young castaways and such. But, you know, hopefully Yelich can have a you know bounce back year and Willie Adamas broke out shortstop for them. Luis uh, Urias was a really useful player on the dime, you know, the infield and, and everything else. But um, Hunter Renfro came over from the Red Sox. And I think he, he had a great year with Boston, just putting up, you know, power numbers and being, you know, just a solid, um, you know, component of the lineup. But it's another team where I think at the break, they'll find some pieces to add to their nucleus, but definitely a scary team. And, and that's my, my favorite, the NL central uh, Cardinals are always going to be the Cardinals. Um, Renato Goldschmidt, you know, Dylan Carlson breaking out last year. Um, you know, I, I don't have to go through the, the entire roster. I think that um, in general, I see them as kind of like pushing for a wild card spot. Um, Cubs, they may as well also, I mean, they added some pieces and parts to kind of kind of be competitive, but then kind of just like wait and see. So it's like, you're not really sure of the commitment there, but um, that's ultimately what I think of the NL central. And then I think the East is going to be just a dog fight. Like it usually is um, your pick with the Phillies is great. Um, you know, adding Castellanos and Schwarber to that lineup, it's just going to pay dividends for them, you know, throughout the entire year. And you're hoping on an Aaron Nolan, you know, bounce back and, you know, Zach Wheeler to be healthy. Um, but my favorite, you know, is probably, I'm, I'm going to stay with the Braves. I thought, you know, I thought really long and hard about this over the last couple of weeks. Cause I, at first didn't really like the whole idea of, you know, not giving them that six year, but when you take a step back and you, you know, look at the package that they gave up for Olsen, it was, it was pricey for them from a prospect standpoint, but to bring a guy in who is 27, 28 years old versus Freddie's and, you know, uh, his early thirties and to kind of instantly sign him to a very club friendly extension, which they already did with Acuna and Albies. They got him on some very uh, affordable contracts for, for long commitments. Um, that team, that team didn't need a whole lot extra, even taking Freddie out of the mix. And it's just like, they look scary again. Um, I like Max Freed as a starter. I think he'll take a step. Uh, you got Ian Anderson out there as a starter Charlie Morton is just timeless as a starter, but, uh, you know, they're a fun team to watch. Um, I think the Mets will be, 
good, but I'm not going to buy the offseason hype as far as, um, you know, just because you signed and traded for all these, you know, uh, big name veterans still got to play 162. And, you know, I love Jacob deGrom, but part of me is just like, is he going to give you half a year? Is he going to give you a quarter of a year? It's, it's hard to put your finger on, but um, I think they're making the right moves and they're making the right steps there. Um, one dark horse I'd say for the NL um, is the Miami Marlins. I think that if you just look at their rotation and their rookie rotation depth, they've got maybe eight starting pitchers that could go in the major leagues. Um, you know, Sandy Alcantara was top 10 last year. Pablo Lopez um, is, is making strides. They've got, you know, a lot of buzz around Jesus Lizardo, who was a cast off from Oakland, but he's having, you know, a great spring training. Um, he's more of a, you know, kind of a depth piece for them. They're not, they're not even kind of, <laughs> I guess they weren't coming into this year expecting him to be, you know, one of their top two pitchers and, Trevor Rogers had an awesome rookie year last year, um, young lefty, but they've got Max Meyer. They've got, you know, a bunch of kids that are coming up in the, in their pitching staff. And to me, that's, that's always the cream of the crop for any team. I always look at the pitching first and then I'll think about their offense. But, uh, you know, Miami doesn't have all the sluggers that others in the NL East do, but um, I think that we will see a, 500 or better Miami Marlins club. So that's, that's going to be kind of my, uh, sneaky pick for this year but um i guess to wrap on baseball and to wrap on this episode um given all we've talked about we've we've kind of covered the landscape from a from again a pretty high you know vantage point but how do you see the playoffs kind of shaken out and uh do you have a you know world series prediction to throw out there at this point yeah world series prediction um what would i want uh I think that's that's one way to look at it. Um, I would want like White Sox versus like the Brewers, um, probably. Uh, what I think might happen is probably I think the Dodgers will be back in back into the picture. Um, they just got way too much talent, I feel like, and um, yeah, I, I, I think they'll take. I think they. I think they'll they'll get back in there. Uh, as much as I really like what. Uh, Atlanta's all about getting back Jansen and all. Um, it's hard to look at the Dodgers and be like, yeah, that's that's not a World Series type of team uh, going forth. Um, if I were to pick another team apart from, uh, you know, the White Sox uh, to advance the World Series, as much as I hate it, um, I think possibly the Yankees. I think that's... <laughs> that as much as i think i just puked in my my mouth when i said that but you know they got they got the firepower that there's they've always had i think the firepower some there uh it's just you know are they do they show up in the playoffs and all that do they just not strike out as much in the playoffs uh and and also um it'd be interesting to see how you know moving on from gary sanchez uh kind of transpires for them um you know do they just kind of advance a little bit there uh, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, their, their pitching can always improve, you know, they, they can always enhance it. I mean, they have one of the best pitchers in Garrett Cole. So it's like, like, great. You got that. Um, and you always have Ferrell's Chapman in the back, who just, you know, will gun it past everybody. But, you know, I, I, if there's a team that can add maybe a, another pitcher or two, yeah. Why not the, the Yankees, uh, you know, for the future. So I think that they're better set up, um, 
more so than the Red Sox. Uh, yeah, I know the Red Sox added Trevor Story, uh, but I just I just question their pitching, like we were saying, right? Uh, I think there's been some subtractions. I think they got rid of uh, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, I think it was. Um, so, like, I don't I don't know what their pitching is going to look like next year. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But if I were to bet, you know, yeah, it's – and man, Yankees, yeah, I, I'd rather not see them. I'd rather see the White Sox. But I think we are talking about before, earlier in the episode, I, I just don't know. I, I, I think that the White Sox will probably, you know, get out of the first round. I'm hoping just to get that progression, be like, okay, maybe we need to focus uh, a little bit more, uh, take, taking you know, this baseball a little bit seriously. You know, maybe they do add some more depth just in general. Maybe they do, they do add that extra starter uh, that can help win some games and take, you know, take us more in the playoffs. Um, I just don't know. But for right now, um, you know, I, I think I might actually go with the yeah the Yankees the Yankees and Dodgers, good God, um, <laughs> that's what I think will happen. But I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love to see the Brewers kind of take the next step forth. Uh, I think they got they signed uh, McCutcheon, uh, who's mm. one of my favorite yeah. players, just in general, one of the best ambassadors of the game too. So um, hoping he can add some of that and that probably one of the reasons why they sign him adding that veteran presence, you know, some postseason experience to kind of take that things to the next level a little bit. So I'm hoping that that does uh, provide some more value to that excellent pitching squad. Um, so that's what I'm hoping, but um, yeah, I look at the Yankees, I look at the the Dodgers and I'm like, those are some nasty lineups. Those are some nasty looking teams. So, but yeah, want to hear from the baseball guy though, you know, who do you see uh, as your World Series picks? Yeah, I, um, you know, maybe preface all this by saying usually I don't pick the White Sox so that we get better juju. <laughs> I, you know, maybe I really think they're the best, but I'm not going to say it. So I'm going to hold back on that, though. I think that uh, what you're saying about just prove to us that you can win around that that to me would be actually really big because there's a lot of clubs over time like the minnesota twins were notorious you know first round exit type teams and it's like i just don't want us to be that team where it's like we've got this amazing roster but we just you know we can't put it together in a short series and uh that would be huge for me and i'm gonna keep my expectations grounded on on that um now when I think about who is the best team in baseball, it's to me, hands down the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. But I also think that baseball is, you know, all about chemistry. It's about, you know, how you've played with your club throughout the entire year. Do you have high character guys? Do you have guys that, you know, want to have that kind of desire to get over the hump and win it all? And I think what you're saying about the Braves makes some sense because they just raised the banner. So you know, regardless of their talent, I think they'll be in the mix. I think they're, you know, a for sure playoff team, but it's like, is that desire there to, to kind of repeat or to really, you know, get back onto the mountaintop. Um, Now, the one thing about Juju that is going to hurt the Dodgers is that Dave Roberts came out um, later last week and basically said that, you know, for sure, we're going to win the 2022 world series, (laughs) which is just bold as can be. I mean, it's just like, Hey, (laughs) I've got KD and Steph Curry to my left and right, and we're going to, you know, knock you out in, in seven games or so. It's it's beyond bold for baseball because 
you know, anything could break any team's way at any time. But um, I guess when I look at the teams and kind of where they've been in the playoff mix and who has the right formulas that I'm looking for to kind of take that next step and to, to go to the World Series, I'm going to throw it out there. And I'm just going to say, I think the Brewers take the Dodgers down in a six or seven game series in the NLCS. I, I truly believe that those um, starting pitchers are – you know, seasoned enough. I think they've got enough innings in their arms. And I think that, you know, supplementing them with a, you know, a trade deadline batter, extra arm. I think that, you know, those are some scary guys to face in a short series. And then, you know, if there's, if there are, is one team that could cur- curtail those bats, when you look at Freeman, Betts, Turner, all the, you know, just really one through eight or nine with the Dodgers, it's, it's scary. So, That'd be the only team I could see knocking off the Dodgers in the NL. So I'll just throw it out there. I'll say it Um, on the AL side of things. um, The East is going to be a fight. You know, we didn't even talk about the Rays, which year in, year out, they're just good at manufacturing playoff teams. And, you know, their pitching is a little younger than it usually is. And it's a little less experienced. Um, But again, it's the Rays. You can't count them out. Um, But I will kind of go with the team we both highlighted in the Blue Jays and just say that yeah. you know, I think with their additions on the pitching side, they gave Berrios that extension. Um, you know, they brought in Gaussman, who hopefully is over his AL East hiccups. I just – those bats are potentially, you know, maybe not one through nine as deep as the Dodgers, but at the top end of that, I think that's going to be just a really productive club. And – uh you know, they were in it last year just as far as, you know, they've, they've been to the playoffs. They know what that feels like. Um, I just kind of see them, you know, just just finding their way to the, you know, to the World Series. But, uh, yeah, and I guess when it's all said and done, I'm, I'm going to pick the Blue Jays um, in seven. I I, I don't want to go against the Brewers, but, but it, you know, I, I just think that the Blue Jays do it right on the pitching side and the hitting side, whereas yeah. you know, I'm still kind of wondering whether Milwaukee can put together, you know, enough production to get those guys over the hump. Yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, I think it makes sense. Cause you know, in the, in the, uh, in the playoffs, you know, when you have three starters, it, it is, it is really beneficial if they can take down, you know, a top, a top uh, offense, like the, what, what the Dodgers have and all. So I'm, I'm very, uh, um, I would love to see that. I love it when pitching just takes down and mows down people. I loved it when, Kurt Schilling or Randy Johnson's like, oh, is this what you got, Yankees? Let's let's tear this down a little bit here. You, even though uh, Luis Gonzalez got that last uh, the last hit over there on on, on Mo. So um, no, I love I, I would love to see another team kind of just take it, you know, take take that run in the playoffs. Uh, I'd love it to be the White Sox, but you know, again, what you're saying is they gain that proper moxie, um, and it, it would be awesome to see uh, Toronto. Uh, back in there and then just, you know, taking it, especially with the young talent of all the former, you know, ML- MLB players progeny uh, coming, <laughs> coming back and all. Right. I love it that their entire roster is like, oh, yeah, my dad played it all. So, um, yeah, no, I think those are great picks. I think, you know, there's definitely a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, great reasoning too. So I think it makes sense going forward. But I think we're all, I think we're both like, let's, can we just get the White Sox to win the World Series? Can we just please? <laughs> um, but yeah, get out of the first round, right? So yeah, 
yeah. yeah, I think that's I th- yeah, I think that would be like okay. I think next year we gotta win it all now. So and it's not to say I don't want to see the Sox absolutely drop the hammer yeah. and just yeah. do it this year. I uh I try to guard myself from getting really <laughs> excited or you know, talking a bunch of trash before we actually backed it up. It's like, let's just let this thing ride. I think we're absolutely in play for everything that's on the table. Um, yeah, I just think maybe, you know, might be a game or two here where, uh, you know, some of these other clubs might might just get that little advantage um, just with some of the experience or, you know, just sheer talent. I, I really hope we come back this year just composed. Um, you know, I, I think the regular season is going to do, you know, uh, really well for us um, in terms of just output and, and getting victories throughout the year to get us into the tournament. Mm-hmm. After that point, it's just, you know, hopefully we're hot and hopefully, you know, our arms are all healthy. So, yeah. um, but I think with that, um, that definitely covers it. I didn't know if you had any, you know, closing thoughts for today's episode or any other baseball thoughts that come to mind. Uh, it's a beautiful game. I really love baseball. Um, you know, it, it, it makes me look forward to fall actually. So it's like, ah, the summer's gone, but playoff baseball, nothing beats playoff baseball. I feel like, um, yeah, it's the, the, the enthusiasm you see in the crowd. Uh, you know, sometimes I definitely feel like, you know, the casual uh, baseball game, it's like, yeah, okay. It's, you know, the, the crowd isn't always into it and all that playoff baseball everybody is like it, it's it's hooting and hollering and everything it, it's all it's all focused on the game there because like if i'm gonna if i'm gonna pony up you know a bunch of money for the playoffs like it yeah you know, I'm, I'm gonna come there because i want to be it and not because somebody dragged me or whatever right so um uh i love playoff baseball i'm excited for this season i'm very optimistic uh for the white Sox. i think it's one of those yeah they have great talents it's like but, you know, do they all fit in these pieces? We got first baseman playing outfield. <laughs> What's going to happen? <laughs> so um, I'm very optimistic. I, I think Rick Hahn, uh will make the right decisions going forth. And Rick Hahn we trust. Uh, and I would love to see the Brewers versus White Sox World Series. So, but we'll see. I love this game. Uh, I am looking forward to the opening day and all. Um, and, yeah, you have any last words? I mean, I'm, I'm totally happy that opening day is on, you know, the forefront next, you know, this upcoming weekend, um, you know, going back to Chicago, our, our homeland and uh, yeah. partake in my annual fantasy baseball draft. It's something that I just look forward to every year. I mean, some people look at me with a, kind of a, a raised eyebrow, like you actually play 162 games of fantasy baseball every day. And it's like, yeah, it's an absolute grind and I love it. Um, I will play till I die. Like, it's just, uh, I don't know, it just gets me going. And, uh, you know, baseball, I, I really do think it, it has it has a lot of work to do with the younger fans. And I think that it is a slow game. And I kind of tell people, like, look, I, I, I would understand if you don't want to watch baseball on TV because it's like watching golf. Like, if you don't fully understand the intricacies of the game or – you know, if it, if it just moves at a slow pace for you, then maybe basketball or football are really your sports. But, you know, to me, with everything involved from fantasy and, you know, playing in my men's leagues and growing up and doing this with family and friends and stuff, it's just like everything I want to do. And i um, happy to, you know, turn on a game at 
you know, eight o'clock at night. It could be two teams I don't care about, but I'll just sit down and watch like, you know, a good hour of it and just kind of enjoy my time. But, uh, yeah. you know, in that sentence, I feel like, uh, baseball is kind of for the older soul. And, uh, you know, I, it's one of those sports that I think, uh, you know, if you get it, uh, if you go to games, if you're with your good buds or your family or something like that, I just think there's a, there's no greater game. Yeah. It's an art, right. And with art, like there's, there's something that it resonates with, you know, whatever art form it is, it resonates with you. Um, and it's hard to describe, but it resonates some part of your soul or something like that. Right. So whether it be some people with MMA, it's like, oh, roundhouse kick to the face. That's awesome. That resonates with my soul. <laughs> or, you know, a bunch of grown men, uh, you know, uh, throwing a ball and hitting it with a stick, right? Like sometimes there's something that just, it just makes sense to us. Uh, whether we like it or not, it makes sense. So yeah, uh, yeah, whether it be, you know, whatever sport it is, you know, so sometimes the sport chooses us, not the other way around, right? So I think with that, that was a great way to end it. Um, I have nothing else to say, just, uh, you know, thoroughly enjoyed speaking baseball with Wayne, um, you know, for Patrick, uh, and Wayne, we are going to shut this one down. So have a good night and, uh, enjoy opening day. Yeah. Take care, man. All right.